The following podcast is a discussion between two experts in their fields of beauty and not meant to be taken as medical advice. Be sure to consult with your doctor if you have any medical inquiries. Hi, this is Dr. Neil Shaw, and you're listening to Masters of Beauty. This is a podcast that a lot of you have been asking for. It's what you can do as a patient to treat allergies and inflammation of the nose and doing so with the least amount of medications possible. You know, a lot of my patients, just like myself, don't like to take medications. And if you can avoid medications, um, you know, sometimes you can feel better if you can do this the natural way. So we're going to go over some tips, including like air filters and pillowcases and, you know, washing your hair when you should do that um, and diet. Uh, There's a lot of things to talk about. Inflammation in general is not a good thing, and allergies are a type of inflammation. Um, Some causes of inflammation we didn't cover, which may or may not be related to allergies. As soon as I finished this podcast, I thought about 20 to 30 different things that we can kind of add to supplement to this. But this is kind of a good starting point for most of our patients who are saying, hey, guess what? I'm dealing with allergies, and what can I do to kind of improve this? And the reason I mention this is many of my patients before surgery uh, will have some allergies, and after surgery, they'll still have those allergies uh, because you can't treat allergies with surgery. Allergies is how your body reacts to something else. And if you're thinking about not being able to breathe through your nose, 20 to 30% of this could be from your septum, 20 to 30% of this could be from other structural causes, and then there could be another percentage that's caused by the inflammation component. Everyone's different. So check this podcast out. Hopefully it's helpful information for you. And I'm definitely going to do a follow-up podcast to this. We're talking about allergies today. And allergies is not something I specifically deal with, but I tangentially deal with in my office because I'm dealing with the nose. And almost everyone's nose is going to have inflammation and irritation and things of that nature. And so many patients ask me, Um, You know, why do I have a runny nose um, either before or after rhinoplasty? Um, What can I do to improve my symptoms? And allergies are super common. About two-thirds of the population have some sort of allergic rhinitis. And if you look at rhinitis in general, rhinitis means inflammation of the nose, I think almost everyone's going to have some sort of inflammation. So we're going to talk about some things we call um, you know, like little life hacks or biohacks that I recommend for my patients to do, uh, either patients who are post-surgery or pre-surgery or just anyone with inflammation in their nose. And these are things that we have found that help uh, with your nose. So well, I'm joined here today by Anam. And Anam, we are going to be just asking some questions. So you ask me the questions, and if you have questions along the way too, like you'll be like the regular listener reviewer. Okay, sounds good. All right, first question is, how can I tell if I'm having issues with allergies versus a cold versus, say, COVID? Okay, so that's a great question and a super relevant question right now because we're worried about colds, COVID, and, um, and allergies. And, uh, you know, so the first thing is, um, you know, with COVID, uh, there are specific symptoms, you know, kind of indicative of that. And so if you have a fever, in general, uh, you might have a cold and you might have COVID but you're less likely to have allergies as the primary cause of that fever. So if you have a fever, you're not feeling well, you feel sick, typically feeling sick, just kind of overall general malaise, you might have a cold or you might have COVID. Um, If you lose your sense of smell, well, all of those can check the box. Mm 
Um, if you lose your sense of taste, all of those can check the box. If you have a cough, all of those can check the box. So in general, if you're not feeling well, meaning like you feel sick, you have a little gray fever, um, and these are symptoms you normally don't have, um, you probably you have to think of yourself as having some sort of viral infection. Um, if you have allergies and you say, hey, guess what, I'm having a runny nose and I always lose my sense of uh, smell and taste, well, more than likely you have allergies, but if you're not certain right now, there's a lot of these rapid testing um, items available for COVID, uh, PCR, um, nasal swabs. Uh, the big caveat we have with these tests is they're not super accurate. Um, and, um, you know, we have some patients who, uh, you know, sometimes they're clearly, um, you know, you're clearly someone who may have had COVID, um, you know, you're going to probably repeat that test. Uh, but if you're not certain, you can always get a COVID test, but just be aware that they're at best, even though they say 90% of accuracy, they're not really that accurate. Okay. All right. Um, next question. Can my sinus problems be caused by my allergies? For sure. Uh, your sinus problems can be caused by allergies because allergies, what they do, um, most people who have allergies, and Anna, you have allergies sometimes? Yeah, I have like daily allergies, and then I have allergies because of my cat. Okay, <laughs> so we're going to dive into what things we yeah. can do. Um, so can my uh, sinus problems, and do you ever get sinus pain or pressure? No pain, a little pressure, but yeah. And let's think about the anatomy here. So when you have allergies, what happens is your inside of your nose, it swells up. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you try to blow your nose, but nothing comes out correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so we have these things called sinuses, and the sinuses are located like these little empty spaces, kind of above our eyes, not where our brain's at, there are different spaces than that, um, in our cheeks, and kind of throughout our nose. And they can actually cause discomfort if they're blocked up. And what's going to block it up? Inflammation. Mm -hmm. So if you have inflammation from either allergies or other things, you can have problems or issues with your sinuses. And that sinus um, uh, it basically was caused by the inflammation from the allergy. All right. Can a rhinoplasty fix or cure my allergies? Super common question. So someone comes in and says, I'm sick of having this runny nose. I'm sick of being allergic to dust. Let's do surgery to fix it. But as we know, um, you know, if your body, let's say with your cat, uh, what's happening with the cat is your whole body. It's not just your nose, but that's the part that we can manifest. Um, it's your nose, your eyes maybe get a little runny. Mm -hmm. um, so every little cell, when the allergen comes near it, it's gonna create a release of histamine. Um, and histamine causes, that's why we take these pills called antihistamines. Mm -hmm. um, and all of that's gonna create this swelling and discomfort and your body's having a reaction to that. Just because you do surgery, the surgery does not prevent you from having allergies. Okay. Um, you're still gonna be allergic to it. It might give you a little bit more room in your airway so when it does swell up, um, you won't have quite as severe symptoms with your allergies. Okay. Um, I Another question. Um, is it safe to take allergy medication every day? Uh, depends on the type of allergy medication. Mm -hmm. So there's different types of allergy medications. In general, if you're taking allergy medications every day, um, let's just kind of dial things back and say, okay. okay, what can I do to treat my allergies? Mm -hmm. If you take a medication every day, common sense tells us that it's, it's going to become less and less effective. Okay. And what causes our allergies? So in your case, your cat. My cat. So let's try to figure out what's causing your allergies. So we have your cat, and where does your cat sleep? He sleeps in the living room. I kick mm -hmm. him out of my room. Kick him out of your room. How about during the day? During the day, I leave my room open, so he's like in and out. Okay, so we're gonna talk about some things that you can do to do that. And do you have anything running? Um, as of a month ago, let's say one month ago, did you have any air filters going in your room? 
or just kind of let it run? Just kind of, yeah, let them let be. Okay. <laughs> um, so let's go. These are kind of the lists we've kind of compiled. So I'm going to kind of go through each one of these things. So we're going to pretend Unum is kind of this classic patient. Um, actually, Unum's had a procedure done on her nose. She has a cat. And do you have a runny nose right now? Um, it's not too bad, but it is a little bit congested. All right. So <laughs> this is what patients say. So, uh, so these are some tips you can do to kind of mitigate your symptoms. So we know the allergies are caused, in Unum's case, most likely by her cat. But it, just because you're allergic to your cat doesn't mean you're not allergic to other things. Yeah. Um, so let's kind of go through our list. So first list is when do you wash your hair? Uh, I wash my hair every other day. But is it in the morning or at night? It's at night. At night. Okay. So washing your hair at night is actually a better thing than washing your hair during the day. Um, and the reason that is is because during the day, we're getting all sorts of stuff in it. You're walking outside. We're getting dander and pollen. And then when you sleep, you're probably putting your head in your pillow and all that dust and dander, even though you weren't exposed to it directly, it's going to go right into your face and you're going to swell. And most people who wake up in the morning, do you ever wake up puffy in the morning? A little bit. Sometimes, not all the time. I look like a marshmallow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you want to avoid that puffiness. So that, that that's really important to kind of avoid that morning puffiness. And so that's why we're trying to do things to kind of mitigate that. So okay. uh, washing your hair is going to be helpful. Um, animals. Animals in the bedroom. We don't want them in our bedroom, even if you're not allergic to the animal. Most common thing I hear from patients is like, you know, I have a hypoallergenic dog, so he can go anywhere. The problem with that dog is just like our hair, what's that dog gonna do during the day? Probably go in your room. And, but what's he gonna do if he's going outside and all that oh, stuff? get dirty and roll Full around. Full of dust and, and pollen and yeah. all that. So even if you're not allergic to your dog, you might be allergic to what your dog encounters during the day, which can be dust and pollen and all those types of things that we might be allergic to. So that's why it's a bad idea to have that dog in your room. And, and um, I know there's a lot of dog dogs. I, I have a dog as well, uh, but it's not something I have in my room. Uh, the second thing we talk about, getting your room ready. So we're doing the things to kind of avoid things. Um, how often do you wash your sheets? I would say every couple of weeks, but I could be a lot better. And then do you use hot water, warm water, or cold water? Usually warm water. Okay, so here's where we want to think about why do we wash our sheets? Well, one thing is we want fresh sheets, they mm -hmm. smell great. But the biggest thing is that when we're sleeping, we release all these little skin cells. It's kind of disgusting, but maybe kind of good too. But in our bed are dust mites. No matter what you are or who you are, dust mites are there. So unless you wash your sheets on hot, hot water, okay. you're not probably killing all the dust mites. Mm -hmm. um, kind of a corollary to that is how often do you change your pillow? Um, ooh, probably. Never. No, I do. It's just maybe like once every couple months. So that's actually not bad. Okay. A new pillow every two months is pretty good. Uh, I would say like four months. Um, most people keep their pillows sometimes for years. No. And again, those can be laden with dust mites. Even mattresses get laden with dust mites. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you can put mattress covers. And all these types of things together can be important to kind of, again, that's another thing that um, lots of people aren't even aware that they're allergic to that. Yeah. Okay, so we have the hot water sheets. Um, and then um, how about when you go to your house? Are you kind of a shoes, wear them wherever you want to, or shoes at the door? No, I, they stay at the door. Yeah, and same thing with the dog concept. You know, if your dog's going around and going in mm -hmm. um, and you're going outside, you want to leave your shoes at the door because you're going you're to track all these things like dirt and uh, dust and pollen and all those types of things around your house. Uh, do you smoke? No. Marijuana? No. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Nick, bring out the uh, marijuana <laughs> joint and see if she <laughs> see if she's tempted. I no. Okay. How about hookah? Uh, yeah, I do smoke hookah. Okay, so these things can actually exacerbate your allergies, make them worse, because you're you're going to create inflammation inside your nose. Um, so um, it's one of those things. And the way they work is our nose is full of cilia, and cilia kind of like protect us, remove all these little dust and particles outside of our nose. But because of those, um, uh, when you smoke, your cilia stop moving. So these things that normally get cleared from our nose, they stay in there. So we want to kind of avoid hookah and smoking. If you're going to do um, you know, something with that route of CBD or um, the cannabinoids, uh, maybe do that from an oral, oral version of that. If you're going to smoke, maybe go towards something with the nicotine. I'm not a big fan of any of that, but um, whatever works. And, uh, but try to avoid the smoke aspect. In general, smoking is the worst way you can ingest anything. Um, tell me about your diet diet. Um, I would like to think I'm pretty healthy, um, but I do love junk food. All right. So junk food <laughs> is going to be one of those things. I'm, so the issue with junk food is it's going to be part of that inflammatory diet. And there's two components in the inflammatory diet. You're going to have sugar, flour, yeah. and processed um, issues. And pro the processing of foods is what really causes us to have inflammation as well. Some people just from eating this alone will notice that they get inflammation. Mm -hmm. So that's a factor that if by cutting that out of your diet, many people just feel better, they feel cleaner, yeah. and things that you can do. So that's helpful. Um, how about uh, fruits and vegetables? Do you go for the organic or non-organic or not? I, I try to get organic at the grocery store, yeah. And the big thing with organic is you're dealing again with pesticides and herbicides um, with the non-organic. And the problem with that is that can lead to more issues with um, inflammation in your body. Um, so we're going to talk about specific ways of kind of fighting that. Um, I'm trying to see anything else. How about where do you live? Do you live in an apartment, an old one, a new one? I live in a condo. Um, it's not that old. It's maybe about, I'm going to say like the building is probably eight years old. Yeah. Any issues with mold smells, water damage, no. water spots anywhere? Nope. Great. Not at all. And we want to make sure that mold is a super common cause of inflammation, inflammation in our body inflammation in our nose, so we always want to check for those types of things as well. Um, and I think, um, uh, how about in that diet, there's some things, certain foods called histamine-rich foods, um, and I always have to look these up, so I'll, I'll pull these up right now, but in that histamine-rich food uh, thing, uh, foods that contain histamine, so we're trying to avoid the release of histamine, but some people feel that, um, you know, certain foods like fermented foods, um, uh, alcohol, avocados, eggplant, spinach, processed or smoked meats, shellfish, and aged cheese all have um, a lot of histamine in it. Mm -hmm. So if you're noticing these um, severe allergy symptoms, uh, by giving your body less fuel or less histamine, uh, your responses can be a little bit less. Any of those check marks for you? Yeah, I eat a lot of avocados, so maybe I should cut back on that. Yeah, and, and these are all things you can try. How about fermented foods at all, or not really? Not really. Eggplant, spinach? Shellfish? Spinach, yeah. Um, seafood, yeah. Okay. So, and again, it doesn't mean that, and on the seafood thing, it's really the shellfish, shellfish. component okay. is, is the part. Um, so, kind of figuring out what to do. So, some people are like, okay, so I'm going to avoid all these things. I'm going to wash my sheets. I'm going to change my pillowcases, but I still have allergies. This is super frustrating. Now, what do I do? Okay. So, the first thing is most of the time with allergies, the allergies that at least we're talking about come from the air. 
So the obvious statement is, let's clean our air, let's monitor our air. Um, there's a monitor called um, IQ Visual, IQ Air is what I have in my house. I don't uh, get to think of sponsors or anything from them. Um, <laughs> but um, IQ, so I monitor my air quality. And you can kind of tell how the overall air quality is in your room um, just by looking at the number. And it'll tell you how many parts per, um, uh, per thousand are actually in, uh, actually it's parts per million. There's, it's called Air Visual, IQ Air, and it uses US AQI as their, other, as their symptom, as their sign. And so it'll, it'll actually measure your air quality index. And the air quality index right now, in Chicago, it's uh, 46. Uh, but in my bedroom right now, it's four. Um, so, uh, you know, so what's happening? How do I change that air quality? So here's where having some sort of test to find out what your air quality is like and what you can do to change that is gonna be helpful. Um, so obviously the first sign that people say is just buy an air filter. Mm -hmm. um, HEPA air filters are the most common that people talk about. They can really kind of uh, clean the air on a, on a, you know, beyond um, microscopic level. Um, can actually help with uh, viral particles. Uh, the problem with HEPA filters though, is when most people buy an air filter, what do they do with that air filter? They don't change it as often as they should? They don't change it. <laughs> so if you actually look at that, what you're doing is you're just putting air through refiltered air and it actually- Through the dust. Yeah. Exactly. It's actually kind of disgusting. Yeah. So you have to change the filters on that. So one of the main problems with most air filters is that um, you, most people don't change the air filter. Yeah, or they don't know how. Um, and so uh, <laughs> what you have to do is usually just take the air filter yeah. out, buy a new one and put it in there. And that's actually it's where really most easy. companies make money on is on the air filter, not on the um, um, not, not on the filtering device itself. Um, in my house, I, I use, and actually in the office, I use something called an air dog, horrible name, but uh, uh, essentially what it is, it's you can just wash the filters out. Oh. And they have three different layers of that. They also have some ions that attract um, you know, the viruses and bacteria. And uh, you, what you wanna look at, especially if you're worried about things like COVID, is how small um, are the parts that it can actually filter? And what is it doing to kind of actually filter these areas? So um, uh, I like AirDog, uh, there's a couple other ones out there. Um, what's the other one that I always, oh, Molecule. Uh, Molecule's another one that people like. Um, the problem with that one, again, it's super expensive filter. I think the filters on that are like, just alone are like $200 or $300 yeah. and they're, they're kind of small. Um, and uh, they've done some airflow studies where that one may not filter air as well when they did the kind of the study on that. But it doesn't mean it's a good product and I have no experience with it. But that's another product that a lot of people talk about is Molecule. Um, I like AirDog because I don't want to have like 20 filters. I'd probably mm -hmm. go through them like every uh, month. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter what filter system you use, as long as you're monitoring your air quality. And so, um, and uh, you know, kind of a little aside here. You know, when I um, during the summer, um, I'd whenever I wake up stuffy, if I look at my air quality in my room, I mean, like a month ago, my breathing was horrible. I looked at my air quality. Um, when it's bad, it's normally about 10 or 15 or 20 in my room. It was 1798, which oh. is like. Yeah, crazy hot. Yeah. Uh, but that was the middle of ragweed. Also during that time were the forest fires in California. So all of that air quality means you're gonna wake up stuffy and say, wow, my allergy medication didn't work. But before we even get there, let's monitor our air quality. Okay, so air quality is a big thing that we don't wanna overlook. Um, other things we can do besides doing that 
is we talked about avoiding inflammatory foods. Um, common things aside from the inflammatory foods is dairy and gluten. So it's worth going off of dairy and gluten to see if you respond and if you have um, you know less allergies because this food allergy thing is very, very difficult to test. There's not actually a, a test you can do for that. Um, aside from that, um, other treatments you could go into um, are going to be, uh, do you ever try essential oils? Yeah, mm -hmm. I have like a little diffuser in my room. What oils do you put in there? I do, I like lemongrass and lavender. And but I don't know if they do anything. <laughs> uh, if you're supposed to treat allergies, eucalyptus and peppermint are two okay. that they talk about. I have those. Um, so supposedly that opens up your airway. We actually have it for our patients post-rhino. We're not doing it now because of COVID. Uh, but post-rhino, we like eucalyptus because okay. it kind of opens up your airway a little bit. So that's something you can consider using at night to kind of help with that uh, and help with um, allergies. Awesome. Um, other things out there, um, aside from that, we have the low histamine diet. Um, some people talk about local honey. Um, and the way that works is if you go to a farmer's market, don't get the honey. If you live in Illinois, don't get your honey from Washington or vice versa. And the reason is that because the bees are gonna actually collect all of those things on a microscopic level and it's gonna go into the honey. So if you take this small amount of local honey, theoretically it can build up your um, uh, resistance to these allergies and you can have less of a response to that. Um, and then on that list as well, some people talk about um, uh, supporting your liver. And people are like, why would I wanna support my liver for allergies? And the reason is because when you're dealing with inflammation, your liver really has to go into high gear. And this is especially with herbicides and pesticides and things of that nature. So that's something you can kind of look at and say, hey, let's really get my liver into, into good health. So things that are rich in glutathione, liver supporting um, types of um, uh, uh, supplements are especially helpful. So really trying to do that. And that also goes into that thing of alcohol. Not only is it histamine rich, mm -hmm. it can affect your liver and actually yeah. um, make your allergies worse. Okay. Uh, and then kind of some, uh, Non-medication, if you're going to go that route, we'll go into the medication a little bit. Uh, there's five things that people have talked about that actually have some, some sort of evidence that it may work with allergies. So if you said, I don't want to take a medication, I don't want to do medication daily, I've tried all these things and I'm still having some inflammation. Um, now we get to the next step. So on that list, we have butterbur, phallium, that's P-H-A-E-L-U-M, pratense, P-R-A-T-E-N-S-E, pycnogenol, and quercetin. All of these, and quercetin is Q-U-E-R-C-T-I-N. -E all of these have some evidence in the literature. All of these are readily available on Amazon to through botanicals. And I don't have really a, a, a specific area or, or person I, I like. Just go to some place where you trust where you get your thing. Um, they're also available, I, I believe all of them are available at Whole Foods. Uh, these are natural ways of um, uh, treating your allergies. And um, you may notice an improvement, you may not notice an improvement with that. I think the, the, the data on this is mixed. So if you don't want to take an antihistamine, don't want to take nasal steroids, which we'll talk about next, um, it's worth trying these sort of uh, natural, natural remedies. And so all of those elements can help with your allergies on some level. Um, uh, I don't have severe enough allergies where I actually don't like to take any medications. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of on that phase one where my allergies are basically in the, the sheet washing, um, no shoes inside the house, which again, sometimes with relatives who come in with you know shoes mm -hmm. full of dirt and they're walking around my house. Um, I don't like that idea <laughs> of it. Um, and um, don't play that to my 
<laughs> um, and, um, and and a part of it is just really keeping my air on tune. Um, and so if all that's together, I'm usually going to be pretty on top of my allergies. That So I don't I have a ton of experience myself with any of the naturopathic um, remedies. But from talking to some patients who have taken them, I think there's a mixed bag on that. Some help, some don't. Um, if, if we're going to step beyond that, now we're going to go into the medication route. And the medication route is going to be kind of the traditional allopathic treatment for allergy. So we've done the avoidance and kind of avoidance with an extra layer. Uh, on that level is going to be antihistamines. The reason patients don't like to take antihistamines, and you've taken them, why don't you like to take them? Um, sometimes I just feel like they don't even work, to be honest. Like I'll take one and then it'll work for a little while. And then throughout the day, I'll, like, I'll get my allergies back. Um, and there might be some overuse of, the, of that. Yeah. Sometimes you get some resistance to that. Um, sometimes you can still have so much um, exposure to other things that you're mm -hmm. still, your body's still releasing histamine. Um, and then the other area with that is going to be, um, uh, you know, other factor. Most patients don't like it because they can feel a little sleepy too, unless yeah. they feel sleepy. Um, a little bit, like just like a little bit. Um, uh, so I don't like it because again, I feel like it, I'm super, super uh, aware of how I feel cognitively. Mm -hmm. And so if I have any decline in the way I feel, um, or perform, I don't want to take it. And so for me, because my symptoms are so mild, mm -hmm. I don't like taking antihistamines. That being said, they're kind of the tried and true uh, way of treating allergies. Mm -hmm. um, and there's kind of a selective and non-selective type of antihistamine. Uh, there's Benadryl, which is the old-fashioned one, which is kind of a non-selective antihistamine. It just stops everything that's um, uh, an H, uh, H1. It's, it's basically a, a non-selective H1 blocker. And then you have your um, things like Allegra and Zyrtec. Those are going to be your um, selective antihistamine um, uh, treatments. And basically what they mean is selective is it doesn't go into your brain and makes you less sleepy. Some people get sleepy with Benadryl. Actually, there's surprisingly a number of people who actually get wired with Benadryl. Um, but most people get sleepy with Benadryl. Yeah. Um, great way to keep your dog asleep, again, unless they have that reaction. Great way if you're having difficulty to sleep. One of the m most... Uh, mild and safest way, especially if you're taking lots of medications, which I'm not, but if you have someone who's an older person who can't sleep, safe way of doing that. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes there's the D component, not with Benadryl, but with Allegra D and Zyrtec D. Mm -hmm. The D is a decongestion. You have to be really careful if your heart races. I'm not sure if you've taken a D before. Yeah, I usually take Zyrtec. Um, but for me, since I'm so small, I take like the child version of it. Do you ever take the D version? Yeah. Do you notice that your heart races with that or no? Um, I don't think I've noticed that, no. Okay. And the reason the D works is it basically tries to vasoconstrict your blood vessels. The problem with D is that sometimes when you're vasoconstricting things uh, with that decongestion component of it, sometimes you'll get kind of um, some resistance to that. Uh, as you get that resistance to that Zyrtec D, mm -hmm. uh, what's going to happen is um, your body has, it feels like it doesn't wear and last long enough and long enough. Mm -hmm. Um, the number one treatment that which most people don't do for allergies, most people try to just take pop a pill, is nasal steroid. And um, there's a lot of misconceptions about what a nasal steroid is. Mm -hmm. So first of all, you can't take nasal steroids and get really strong. They're not those type of steroids. Nasal steroids are basically for inflammation. They don't treat your allergy, mm -hmm. but what they do is they treat the inflammation that comes from your allergy. Um, and uh, you've ever used a nasal steroid? Like a nasal spray? Uh-huh. Yes. Which one? Um, I used, what's the green top? The green top. Yeah. 
Okay, so mm -hmm. how did you use it when you had it? Um, I did one spray in each nostril. Do you spray it inside? Just spray it right inside. And the biggest issue with that is um, most people use it incorrectly. So kind of the tips to use Flonase. First of all, we're not trying to de-inflame our septum. The septum is the middle part of our nose. That actually, we don't want the spray to hit that because if the spray hits that, you might get a nosebleed. I'm not sure if you ever got a nosebleed no. with that. And um, what you want to do is actually, when you put the spray inside your nose, you want to aim it towards your ear. And that's because there's two little okay. structures there. It's called the turbinates. And the turbinates are what causes most of the inflammation with allergies. Um, so that's the part, if you put the spray there, you can actually de decongest your nose. Um, the misconception with nasal steroids, that they work right away. They don't. It takes them up to four to six weeks to actually start to work. This is that gradual de-inflammation, de-inflammation, de-inflammation. This is opposed to something called Afrin. And Afrin works right away. So people love that spray. The problem with Afrin? Why don't we do, why don't we do the quick fix? Because the problem with Afrin is if you use this spray, it works less effectively. The first time it works 12 hours, then six hours, then four hours, then two hours, then one hour, then 30 minutes, and people get addicted to it. There's actually a medical condition called rhinitis medicamentosa. And Afrin can actually destroy the lining of your nose. Mm -hmm. If you use it once or twice, you're gonna be okay. But if you use it every day, multiple times a day, you're at risk for putting a hole in the lining of your nose. Uh, so you wanna be very, very careful with that. Um, so Flonase is safe as long as you point it towards your ear. Um, kind of some other tips. Before you put Flonase in your nose, um, you might wanna kind of get all the stuff out. So I recommend most patients blow their nose. If you have nasal saline, you can blow that in to get all that stuff out, then use the spray so it's more effective. Don't blow the Flonase right out afterwards. Let that sit in there, because that's the medication. You want that to sit in your nose. So before blowing your nose again, really let that sit in there. Um, how does it taste, the Flonase? Good or horrible? Um, it's not too bad. Um, yeah. I hate it. I've used it. Really? It gives me a really bad taste. So if you're going to eat breakfast or dinner, do it after your meal, yeah. not before your meal. Otherwise, it kind of changes the taste of that. I'm kind of pretty taste sensitive with that. So the times I'm using Flonase, um, I would say it's probably better to do that afterwards. Um, and then you can kind of up your dose. You can do two sprays per side twice a day. And again, once you are kind of through that allergy part, so if you're, let's say, allergic to ragweed, which is kind of more of a fall thing, um, versus grasses, which is more of a spring thing. Um, if you know your seasons, that's when you might want to put on that extra arm of an antihistamine or putting on a Flonase. And then when you're out of your, your busy time of allergy, when you're going to be more likely to be affected, try taking those arms off and going with just kind of the minimal therapies like we're talking about and the avoidance. Um, so I think that's all my tips for allergies. Um, one other tip, which I think is kind of interesting, is if you do get allergies and you notice there's pressure in your nose, there's a little thing you can do to get rid of that that someone talks about that can actually help improve that besides nasal saline and besides nasal steroids. You know what it is? I don't. What is I'll it? I'll give you a hint. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what it is? No. <laughs> I'll give you one more hint. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, well, you're scaring me now. <laughs> um, so what it is, is if you actually hum, people find that humming actually vibrates your sinuses. So some okay. people find that, uh, so in some of the meditation chants, um, especially things that are heavy in vowels, 
you can actually vibrate your sinuses and actually break that up and break up some of the things that are in your sinuses. It doesn't mean people are going to the hospital and say, yeah, I want you to hum. <laughs> Mary had a little lamb 50 times. But um, it is something to be said that some of the meditation chants, they do use that. And um, even in the, uh, for our Catholic patients out there, the Hail Mary has a lot of vowels in it. Um, so, um, you know, again, can maybe um, talk about why those sinuses might clear up a little bit uh, if you're going to church. So, all right. All right. So a lot of stuff here on allergies. We just kind of uh, touched the tip of the iceberg here. Uh, but uh, a kind of big point over here is have a healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, really avoid these things that aren't healthy for us because sometimes it makes that full circle on us. Uh, try some of these tips before jumping into the medications. And if you're not doing great with those tips, um, jump into the medication route. And if you're still not doing good, then that's where we have doctors who specialize in allergies called allergists. And they can run a panel of tests on you. Um, they don't test everything. Uh, but what they can do is find out uh, what you might be allergic to and talk into some other therapies, including allergy shots, which we'll hopefully have an allergist on our podcast soon. Thanks for listening. And if there's any more comments, just let them leave them below. That's a horrible way of exit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Masters of Beauty. If you like this episode and don't want to miss out on the next, be sure to subscribe right here where you listen to your favorite podcast. And if you really want to help the show out, leave us a five-star review and a comment or possible topics that you would love to hear Dr. Shaw discuss. We love hearing from you. To find out the latest updates from Dr. Shaw and Shaw Aesthetics, you can follow us on Instagram at Shaw Aesthetics and on YouTube at youtube.com slash Shaw. You can find these links and any other links mentioned by Dr. Shaw and his guests during this episode in the show notes. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Masters of Beauty.